Welcome to the Sports GPS. With your hosts, Parker White and CJ Holly. Welcome back to the Sports GPS Season 3, Episode 11. What are we getting into today, Parker? We are talking about the NBA Finals between Golden State and Boston. Mm-hmm. Games 2 through 5, we already talked about Game 1. Yes, sir. From there, we hit the MLB newsstand. You got to get our snacks, mm-hmm. go to the bathroom. Right. I think we're getting Dunkin' today. Dunkin', yes, Dunkin'. Uh, croissants or wraps? Mm. Yeah. Well, we'll get croissants no matter what we order. So. Yeah, no no, no matter. Then from there, <laughs> we're going to talk some questionable manager moves and the hottest teams in the game. Absolutely. And we are ending on the NFL, continue our top 10 series. This one, the offensive line. Top 10 on the road graders, the the guys that get down and dirty in the trenches, and then we flip to the defensive side of the ball next week. But this side stays on the offense. All that and more on this episode of the Sports GPS. Let's get into it. Welcome back. Getting into the NBA Finals, talking games two through five. We already discussed game one where the Celtics won and had that one nothing lead. Uh, what happened in game two, though, Parker? All right, the Warriors beat the Celtics 107-88. It wasn't that close. Golden State pulled away after being up two through the first half, winning the third quarter by 21. Uh, and then they to put away the game, both teams shot well from three, but, you know. But Golden State, I mean, they had 15 steals, Boston... To two Boston's five, and they dominated the paint scoring Boston for you to 24. Yeah, I mean, it really came down to paint points. This time, uh, the Warriors kind of stuck it to the Celtics. Uh, you'll see a theme here. If the Warriors can hold the Celtics under 100, they take the W. Yeah. Uh, but really, it came down to this. Tatum had 28 points, six rebounds, three assists. Jalen Brown, 17, six, and three. Derek White, the un, you know, the uncommon, yeah, yeah, the uncommon third best scorer for this team, 12, yeah. 4, and 2. Horford and Marcus Smart both had terrible nights, even though Horford did do it on the glass with eight, but both of them had two points. Marcus Smart had five assists to help, but really two points from that man isn't enough, especially when Curry puts up 29, 6, and 4. Jordan Poole had a good game with 17, 2, and 3. Looney with 12, 7, and 2. Clay Thompson and Marcus, uh, sorry, Andrew Wiggins both had 11 points to go with 3 and 1 for Clay Thompson and 6 and 2 for Andrew Wiggins. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, really, the Warriors kind of stuck it to him. It was the steals late in the third, like in the third quarter, that kind of helped propel to that 21 point yeah. uh, win in that corner and kind of just put this game away. It really wasn't even that big of a contest in the fourth quarter when you're down 21 already. I will say what's interesting about your point about keeping Boston under 100, it's kind of interesting because Boston's a really good defensive team. They're the better defensive team over Golden State, and them being held that that low and like being in like kind of a defensive fight, mm-hmm. like they're, they're not winning. Well, and when they get when you can get Williams into foul trouble early, they really don't have a great yeah, they big. Don't. They don't. So you're you're asking Al Horford to play against younger, more athletic guys, which makes it tough. So, uh, but that didn't happen in Game Three, Parker. What happened there? All right. So Boston won the first quarter and the fourth quarter by eleven and twelve, respectively. Boston had a twelve point lead at the half, which was 
trimmed by four at the start of the fourth quarter, but however, the points in the paint swung back into Boston's favor as they doubled up the Warriors 52-26. Turnovers also fell Boston's way 16-12, which is why the Celtics say defeated the Warriors 116-100. Yeah, I mean, it really just came down to, again, points in the paint. Whoever's winning the paint is winning these games, and Boston has won it in game one and game three. A little foreshadowing here. Uh, but really, yeah, it came down to Boston got out early, and then when uh, Golden State made a charge in the third quarter, Boston said, oh, no, 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 <laughs> duh, duh, and duh. slammed the door yeah. when Golden State made it a game, being down four going into the fourth, and then they just said, you know what, no, and we're going to beat you by 16. Uh, the big stats, Jalen Brown, 27-7-5. and five. Tatum goes for 26-6-9 and nine assists. Almost has the double-double, doesn't get the final assist there. Marcus Smart had more of a Marcus Smart-esque game with 24-7-5. Horford puts up 11-8-6. Grant Williams gets 10 and your five boards for your top five scores for I, Boston. I think he's the key. He is kind of I the mean, key. he's not like a huge guy, but mm-hmm. he's he plays in the paint. Right. And especially if Robert Williams gets in foul trouble, like he needs to step up and really carry the load in the paint. Because if not, Kevon Looney's just going to destroy you in the paint all night. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, Sturry, excuse me, Curry did his best, yeah. uh, you know, to try to keep this game close. Him and Clay Thompson had more of the Splash Brother esque output with 31 4 and 2 and 25 3 and 3, respectively. Wiggins had a solid game with 18 7 and 2. Jordan Poole goes for 10, but Looney did not have a great game going no. 6 7 and 3. And that kind of led to that points in the paint differential and the Celtics ending up taking that game. Game four, though, Warriors did storm back, winning 107-97. Golden State put on a show in the fourth quarter after leading by one through three. Uh, They really changed the game and outscored Boston 17-3 in the last five minutes of that game. And Boston didn't score a single point in the last minute. Boston lost the rebound battle 55 to 42 16 to 11 on the offensive board and then obviously points in the paint by 6 38 to 32 led to this box score looking like this yeah so for golden state steph curry he had a great game 43 10 and 4 clay thompson he's not he's not the same guy right now but he's still a great player he puts up big games and then he's kind of eh, mediocre yeah. he had 18 2 and 1 Andrew Wiggins, he's been solid all postseason for them. He had 17 points, 16 boards. Jordan Poole off the bench, 14 points. Kevon Looney, he dominated the paint more, at least on the glass. He had 11 rebounds, so going with six points. Draymond Green, he, you know, he's not a big scorer, but he had two points, nine boards, eight assists. That's kind of his game. Yeah, that's definitely what he's doing to help this Warriors team. Uh, Boston, you know, the normal suspects came up big. Unfortunately, it wasn't enough as Tatum had 23-11-6. Jalen Brown, 21-6-2. Marcus Smart, 18-4-5. Derek White, the unheralded, <laughs> uh, 16 points coming in there. Al Horford really didn't have a great night with only eight points. And Robert Williams was seven, but he did have 12 boards to go along with the four assists. So he did contribute in that way right that led up to the huge game last night game five uh kind of the pivotal let's see who wins because who wins game five whoever wins that has an 83 percent chance throughout the entire history of the nba playoffs uh to go on and win the best of seven series parker how did it go last night so the warriors beat the celtics 104 94 it's kind of funny like okay so our buddy baker we've mentioned on the podcast before he's mm-hmm. a boston celtics fan. huge celtics and we fan. both closed last night at at the restaurant so at the end he's like hey man after we get off you like you want to like watch the rest of the game like in my car and watch? i'm like yeah that'd be great so we watched like the last five minutes of the game together in the car and of course he's a huge celtics fan so like he's just banging the steering wheel like mad about how his celtics are playing 
Golden State dominated early and had 10 points, a 10 point lead at the half. Boston had a great third quarter and had a two point lead until Poole hit a, three, a bank three at the end of the third to give Golden State the edge by one. And in the fourth, again, went the way of Golden State as an off night for Curry to led to a big night from Wiggins and Thompson for 47 combined points. Boston out rebounded Golden State by eight, 47 39. However, the points in the paint stat. Comes back again with Golden State edging Boston 50-36 in the painted area. Turnovers in key times in the game as Poole got in Smart's head a little. Also played key momentum uh, pieces in this uh, game. Yeah, an 18-6 to turnover ratio was bad. There yeah. was a point in time where Poole was kind of just like messing with Marcus Smart. I think it was like early fourth quarter. That's usually Marcus Smart's uh, game. It I just know. Get in your head. Well, it's weird. And, and it was weird. I think Smart was just trying to give it back to Poole and trying to give And then Poole, like, there was a semi-flop, like I'll admit. Like, <laughs> yeah. Poole kind of held Smart. It wasn't seen. Smart kind of like swiped him, like, get off my arm. And he like, he barely grazed him. And Poole just like, uh, like right. lays it back like he got hit hard yeah soccer's become more popular around the world i mean it is the world's most popular sport but it's really become more popular in america mm-hmm. and these guys definitely watch because uh, they they flop like crazy they're they're learning how to get it done and you know like i i understand like smart did hit him in the face and like i if can understand the shock crying. well <laughs> i'm just kidding that's fair no, I'm, I'm, kidding. Not, like, I'm not disagreeing with you i i think if anybody else gets hit in the face like that, you're just like, you're stunned for a second. You right. don't flop the way he did. Right. Uh, but, you know, whatever, Pool, good job getting that done because all you did was contribute with points. You only had 14 points. You did nothing else in the box scores. You had no boards and no assists last night. Right. But really, the story of the game, Andrew Wiggins, Clay yeah. Thompson putting up 47 as Wiggins goes 26-13-2, gets your double-double. Clay Thompson has a Clay Thompson S game with 21 3 and 2. As we said, Curry had an off night, only 16 pedestrian. points. Yeah, pedestrian. But he still had eight <laughs> assists to kind of help out there. Yeah. Gary Payton finding the yeah, top five scores. Gary Payton, the second. Absolutely. I, every time I watch him play, I go, Washington, why did you give him up? Right. Not that he's like some superstar, but he's like, a, he's a good role he player. He knows his role. Yeah. He's going to play defense. He's athletic. He can attack the rim, he can shoot a little bit. And I'm just like, why do we? And he's thriving in Golden State. Yeah, he. You know what he does? He stays in his lane. Absolutely. And so, we, so we don't have a rant for him. You know yeah, what I mean? We don't. Not not today. Not today. Uh, Boston. You know the normal suspects showed up again. They did okay. Tatum with 27 and 10 to get your double a uh, double there. Only four assists though. Marcus Smart, even though he did have a little trouble late in the game, still ended up with 20 points. Uh, Jalen Brown had 18 and nine and then four assists as well. Robert Williams going 10, eight and two Horford nine, nine and one. Those are your top five scores for Boston. So right now, as it sits, the Warriors lead this series three to two through mm-hmm. five. Do you think Boston has a chance to win back to back game six in Boston game seven back in the Bay area to take this finals? Or is it the Warriors final to win? I look, before the series started, my pick was Warriors and six. So I'm going to be pulling for the Warriors just so I'm right. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to imagine that Boston's going to lose, what, three straight? Right. Um, I know our buddy Baker's like, oh, they're not doing that. I'm like, okay, we'll see. But, um, yeah, I mean, the pressure's on Boston for sure, but they are going back home on that parquet court that mm-hmm. they, with that leprechaun. Yeah. You know, just things happen, man. Yeah, the, the four-leaf clover can show up and, and, and get them a lot. Here's the thing, though. I I I picked the Warriors in 7. 
Yeah. However, before the playoffs started, I said that the team that came out of the East should beat the team that came out of the West. Yeah. And the only reason why I picked Warriors in seven is purely because the Warriors had an easier road and they're more well-rested. Yeah. They're a little deeper than Boston. So that's the reason why I picked the Warriors. However, you know, I'm wrong either way in some light because I said yeah. the East was going to win the finals, but then I picked the Warriors to win it seven. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you I covered, think, you covered your bases. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I'm hedging <laughs> bets over here. Yeah. I do think that Boston has a chance to win back to back. Do I think sure. it's going to happen? No. I think game six goes by way of Boston and we're going to have a game seven. It's going to be a phenomenal game. Seven. Yeah, I think it that, that makes sense. Whoever wins deserves it. The yeah. Warriors have the pedigree. The Celtics have three guys that can just do it. You know, kind of get you. Al Horford also is kind of the wild card here. If Horford plays up to his potential and wins his paint battle, the Celtics have great chance to win back-to-back games, game six, game seven, right. and take home the trophy. But if he doesn't, that's the problem. And really, as as we've shown these last the last th- four games, I I can't speak on game one. I do not remember. I don't have the stats in front of me, so I'm not going to speak on it. But these last four games, at least, whoever won the points in the paint has won the game. Yeah. And we didn't think that was going to be the case. We oh, thought no. it was going to be the Warriors just hitting a bunch of threes, and it wouldn't matter about the points in the paint. But clearly, I mean, you look at 50-36 to 36 here in Game 5. You're looking at, it was closer 38-32 to 32 in a Warriors win in Game 4. But Game 3, yeah, Boston won by double, 52-26. to 26, And then Boston won... Uh, sorry, the Warriors won in game two, 40 to 24 in the paint. So, like, it's coming down to the paint. The Celtics have to win the paint to win. I don't think the Warriors have to as long as they right. keep it close, right? Like, it, they could have lost the paint battle by one in game four and still won the game. Yeah. So, you know, that's it's tough to sit there and say, oh, that could have happened. But statistically speaking, that could happen. But Boston has to win in the paint. So Boston, to win game six and win game seven, they have to attack the paint. They have to attack it early. They have to get Draymond Green in foul trouble super early. I know he's fouled out in three straight games. First time in NBA like NBA Finals history that a player has fouled out in three consecutive games. Yeah, I mean that. I mean, does that surprise you? But they, no, it doesn't with Draymond. But you have to get him out early. Like, oh yeah, get him riding he, the pine early. He, he can't be a factor because as much as Draymond can be an irritant and he's not going to put up a bunch of points, he, he he's, he's going to clear the glass and he's, he's going to he's going to facilitate to other people. Yeah, he's a good defender. He can rebound. He can facilitate as a big. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, and you're and you're just gonna get open looks for Steph Curry, and I know he didn't shoot well in Game Five, but that's gonna change. Right, he's too good. Well, and I mean, he didn't have to. No, we, he didn't we have, have to. You're you right. have five guys in double dig or in double digits there yeah, for Golden and, State. Andrew Wiggins has been underrated, very underrated. I love that cat. And he had the the exclamation point with a dunk in the fourth quarter. I'm like, yep, this game yeah, over. GGS at that point. Well, and and you can ask our boy TJ. I, I've always said, like, because NBA is a player-driven. Oh, yeah. Like, you, you root for players more than you root for teams. I'm I'm always going to be a Sixer fan yeah, no I'm matter what. Team, even though my team isn't very good, right. I'm always going to pull for my team. However, I have guys that I like. Oh, I've sure. loved Andrew Wiggins from the time he stepped on the court. And my boy TJ was like, you like Wiggins? I'm like, yeah, I like his game. He's versatile. You know, he can do a lot of different roles. I remember when Wiggins came into the league, so he was a first-round pick out of Kansas, mm-hmm. and everyone's like, oh, this guy's the next superstar. 
okay, that didn't happen no. as the way we all thought. Right. But he's still a really he's good a player. He's a solid player, and he's versatile. Like, you can ask him to play low, and he can do it. But and he's I think thriving in Golden State. He needs to, like, redefine his role outside, I think. But at yeah. the same time, he's not asked to do that right here, so... You know, he's I mean, he makes things. so much sense as a third option for Golden State. Oh, absolutely. And next year, and even well, now even a fourth because Jordan Poole's playing phenomenal. Right, but like you look at next year, I know like we're still, in it, but like Clay Thompson is not the same guy this year. Mm-hmm. Give him, give him till next year, and he, I'm not gonna say he's gonna be what he was necessarily because older and there's wear and tear. I get it, but he can definitely be better than what he is right now. Right. No, uh, for sure. I get that. And I'm a Jason Tatum guy. Like, I'm a Duke guy, and I, I pull for Jason Tatum, but I, I can't root for the Celtics. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm not disagreeing. Sorry, Baker. <laughs> All right, well, that's going to wrap up the NBA. When we return, we're going to the MLB newsstand, getting in the news and notes and all things updated MLB when we return. Welcome back to Sports GPS. We're hitting the MLB newsstand. CJ, what snacks are you getting today? Uh, well, we we're getting Dunkin', right? We're right. Just, we're we're gonna just avoid the newsstand and go go uh, get some Dunkin'. All right, all right. That's fair enough. You so know, the All Star Game ballot is out. Yes. Yeah, we're just moving right into it. Yeah, just just head right into it. I mean, you know, so there's some tight races that are gonna be like there's some there's some obvious ones, right? Like Aaron Judge, you should probably pick. Yeah. Mike Trout, you should probably pick. The third outfield spot, eh, it's tight for the AL outfield, yeah. right? Of course, it's funny. Coming into the year, you would think, oh, ALDH, oh, it's Otani. Ah, yeah. no. No. He's not, not really. having a good year on either side of the, of the ball. Yeah, there's a, that's another, you know, coin flip of place you want to go. Well, I, well, let me start with the outfield spot here for the AL. Like, do you pick Byron Buxton? Yes. Do you pick George Springer? It's Buxton. Do you pick Josh Naylor? Do you pick Giancarlo? I Tyler Ward. I know the Yankees are the best team in baseball. I can't pick two Yankees. I I get you there, but like, but I'm I'm gonna go. I'm my outfield is Judge Trout Buxton. That's my outfield. Okay, I mean I, I can give you that, but Taylor Ward has better numbers than Buxton does. Does he? Yeah. So you know I'm not I'm not too sure, but you know as you were talking about AL designated hitter, you think Otani, but like J D Martinez had a great year. Yardon Alvarez, He's another great He's year. Killing it. So you don't know exactly what's going on there. Uh, the other two big, well, the three big races in the NL. First base. Our first base, where you've Always. got Freeman, Olsen, Olsen Goldschmidt, Alonzo. Alonzo. Yeah, you said Goldschmidt. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot of players that are there. Then, of course, the second base battle. Uh, you've got Cattell Marte, you have Jeff McNeil, you have Jazz Chisholm. So you've got some interesting picks there at Shortstop, second base. Shortstop Trey again. Turner, mm-hmm. Dansby Swanson, Lindor is in the mix, even though I don't think he... I mean, he's better than he was last year, but he's still kind of... He's not Lindor of Cleveland yet. Right. Tommy Edmond, sneaky pick for the Cardinals, maybe, is a possible play. He already robbed my guy of a gold glove last year, so I'm, I'm down on Tommy Edmund. I understand. <laughs> it, it'd be more difficult to pick, you know, if, if like, Tor- Tatis was healthy. Oh, it's almost a, a shoe-in. Right. So, like, but he's not healthy, so that, like, opens the door for all these guys. Uh, but Edmund is actually leading MLB position players in war right now. Just thought yeah. I'd throw that out there. Okay, question for you. Mm-hmm. And I asked a buddy at work this yesterday. Right. 
best shortstop in the National League right now. I'm not talking about last year, year before. I'm talking about right now. Who's the best shortstop in the National League? It goes, I mean, like, Edmund is definitely in the mix. Uh, I mean, he's a great defender. I'm not saying he's not. I, you know, I think you give it to Swanson just because he's having the best year of his career, and I think he's only going to use this to propel himself forward. But Trey Turner is having a phenomenal yeah. year. It was funny. I told I told this guy, I was like, you know, Trey Turner is probably the answer, but my biases, like, they're real. We all right. have them. Dansby Swanson, he's hitting over 290. I'm telling you, he's the best defensive shortstop in the National League. Don't at me. And, like, he's leading this team. I mean, during this 12-game win streak. I'm not saying, like, oh, that means we're going to win the World Series. But, like, we're the defending champs. We're on a 12-game win streak. He's in the heart of it. I'm so glad they moved him to the two-spot in the lineup. Right. And, like, I, he's been that good. And he's and he's going to get himself paid. Right. Well, and, I mean, there's some no-doubters on the ballot. Like, if you're not putting the reigning NL MVP as the designated hitter. Yeah, you're just wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> you're just wrong. The man's hitting, like, 1100 and he's got a torn ucl yeah like no i'm sorry if he's not your designated hitter take a seat yeah because there's a problem Uh uh-huh you know like uh the third base for al probably should be jose ramirez he's the only cleveland guardian really doing anything yeah and he's probably the best third baseman in the al right now if if this team was better now they're actually playing okay like they're competitive he would be the MVP than American. Probably. League. I mean, he's he's over three hundred. He's this in the year. mix every year. Every year, OPS over a thousand. Yeah. Like, yeah, he he he's an underrated great player. There's some you know some spots you know, and we already talked about the AL outfield. If you don't have Judge and Trout in, Trout was having an O for twenty nine stint yeah. in the middle of their twelve game losing streak. Right, and yet he was still hitting around three hundred. Yeah, that just shows you how good he was earlier in the year. Yeah, so kind of crazy. But just make sure you go on MLB.com, fill out your all-star ballot, Hit put us in up, who you all. Let us know let at us the know Sports GPS. Yeah. And let us know if we're wrong on anything we said about certain positions or whatever. Just give us your thoughts. Yeah, give us your thoughts. You know, tell us what you're thinking. Nolan Arenado is another shoe-in for third baseman with the NL. Oh, yeah. Just throw that one out That's there. That's my guy. Absolutely. Like, if you have a man crush for baseball players, Nolan Arenado is mine. Fair enough. Yeah. I'll give you that one. Yeah. All right, so uh, let's get into kind of more the nitty-gritty here. Uh, Tony La Russa intentionally walks Trey Turner very, with two outs. <laughs> very interesting. With two strikes already on him. Uh-huh. Uh, and then, you know, proceeds to make a pitching change with uh, Bennett Sosa, and then he decides to, you know, just serve a meatball up to Max Muncy, and he puts it out. Thoughts? Okay, so I know on the outside, you're looking and you're like, why are you intentionally walking a guy you have two strikes on? Okay, first of all, wild pitch before that, Freeman moves a second, so you have a base open. I I kind of laugh at the, at the base open thing because it's like, oh, there's a runner at first, there's a base open. Like, yeah, there is, second and third. You can move that guy, you know, yeah. but I digress. So there was a base open. Trey Turner's been great. He hits left-handed pitching well. And you have a lefty, Max Muncy, who has struggled all year. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, Max Muncy hits a bomb, and he's he's jawing the entire, you know, cursing up a storm, looking at the at the White Sox dugout, like getting at Tony Russo like he's some bum. I'm like, yo, he's a Hall of Famer. Like, have some respect. Right. But it's like, I don't, I would not have done it. You have two strikes on the guy. You, you can't get him out. Like, you can't, like, throw something in the dirt. You don't have to throw a meatball up there. Right. So, I don't love it, but I, I 
I can kind of understand. Here's my thing is I wouldn't have put up four fingers and just said walk him. Yeah. I I would trust my reliever to at least pitch around him to see if Turner gets himself out. Yeah. But I understand throwing four pitches that aren't really competitive pitches uh, and then throwing to Muncy. So I can understand just kind of expediting the process as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go to the next one. Joe Madden was fired. Yeah. Uh, the Angels were in the midst of a 12-game losing streak. Thank you for three of them for my Phillies. <laughs> uh, and they really didn't get much better under Phil Nevin after they fired him. Uh, actually, sources do say that Joe Madden cut his hair into a mohawk and yeah. then walked in and found out he was fired. So the team yeah. never even saw it happening. Yeah. Uh, I think they were thinking that would spark uh, the angels. Like, like the Phillies, the, the Phillies had when they yeah. fired Girardi. Uh, it's not really working for LA, even though the Phillies have won uh, nine of 10 under um, uh, Rob, Rob Thompson. Thompson. Yep. So, you know, you you can't really sit there and fault him, yeah. but like at the same time, it's not it, it. Joe Madden is kind of, you know, a different league. I know Girardi had his success in New York, but that was mainly with a team that he didn't really construct, and he had a really really good bullpen. Yeah. So you know, there were faults there. I don't know if Joe Madden really was. I just don't think the Angels were producing, and I think yeah. that was they tried the same thing with Philly, but you got a different head like Phil Nevin and Joe Madden are like the same exact mold. And I know you were thinking that that might be the same case with Girardi and Thompson. Thompson's always been a bench coach guy, been more of a loose guy. Phil Nevin has always been like, let's be the straight and narrow, very similar to Joe Madden. Let's be the straight well, and narrow. Joe Madden is more. I think Joe Matt, he loves analytics. Right. He loves that side of the game. I don't know if Phil Nevin is that kind of guy, so it is a little different. I will say this. If you're Perry Manassi and the GM for the Angels, you didn't pick Joe Madden. That doesn't mean you didn't want him because we all know how great Joe Madden is. Right. But it, the owner hired Joe Madden. Yeah. And you guys are still losing, which makes no sense when you look at that roster. Now, I do still, still think they need pitching, especially in the bullpen department. They've gotten a little bit more starting pitching this year, but... You know, Sandoval, Lorenzen, Syndergaard right. with Otani, even though Otani hasn't been as good. But they shouldn't be – like, they should never go on a 12-game losing streak when you have Mike Trout in the lineup. Yeah, you shouldn't. Well, but, again, but, but Trout Rendon, went 0-29 tw- yeah. in a stint. But, there, like, so. Rendon's been hurt. That guy can't get on the field for them right? like he was in Washington. Mm-hmm. So they have a lot of faults. I'm not bl- – it's not all Joe Madden's fault. It's really never always – like, it's never all the manager's fault no, anyways. Not. Like, even Girardi in Philly. It wasn't always his fault. The team was underperforming. You can even see it in, in the yeah. in the numbers that this team was was better than what they were. I think it was just there were so many f- games where Joe Girardi could have been better that sure. cost them that they were like, you know what, let's, let's get a new voice. That's what Dembrowski was all about. Let's get a new voice. And that voice is working. Let's go ahead and transition into the hottest teams in baseball. Yeah. Let's talk about my Phillies. They've won 10 of 11. Yeah. Their only loss was a just a bad game with some errors that we knew this team was going to have these games where they just couldn't put it together defensively, gave extra outs to the Diamondbacks, and the Diamondbacks just – Kept pouring it on yeah. every time. But outside of that game, they've looked in control. Now, I know uh, three of those games were in the middle of the Angels' downturn. Then the next three were against the Brewers, and they're also struggling right now. But maybe that could have led. I mean, the Phillies did hit two homers against Josh Hader, and Josh Hader was untouchable for a calendar year. We're not talking just, you know, 
you know, a couple of months, maybe, you know, September last year through, no, 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 a calendar year, this man didn't give up a, didn't blow a save, and the Phillies touched him twice, with two guys that you don't even think he's going to get touched by, Alec Bohm destroyed a ball, and then yeah, Matt Veerling was literally called up from AAA that same day, took a four-hour flight, then a two, an, an hour and a half car drive to get to the stadium, and then comes up with a pinch hit homer yeah. on a on Hater's best pitch, a slide piece, yeah, and he takes him bridge. Get out of here. So the Phillies solid. The Yankees have won four in a row, nine of their last ten. They're the best team in baseball. Best team in baseball. They're like forty-two and sixteen or something like forty-four and sixteen. Yeah, even, <laughs> even better. better. So like, yeah. I mean, you have the M- like. If the season ended today, Aaron Judge is your MVP. And he's playing center field. Yeah, which, what do you think? I, I like it. He's I, athletic. Yeah, like, he, He's a big man, but it's like he can cover ground. He's athletic enough to do it. As long as he doesn't get hurt, like, I'm cool with it. Here's the reason why I'm okay with it is because he's playing 81 games in New York. In yeah. the absolute. Yeah, bandbox. <laughs> To that say it nicely. As, it is as big as this room that we're recording this podcast <laughs> yeah, in yeah. is how big Yankee Stadium is. And there for were, the listeners out there, this room ain't that big. It's not that big. <laughs> it's like 15 by 15 like, most. You got a bed and we have our our, our mics up Our here. mics in here with my computer. That That's basically the entire room. Yeah, that's basically uh, the new Yankee. There's a Philly fanatic on the wall. Yeah. There's a poster with baseball <laughs> stuff. Like, that's the room. It's not big by any stretch of the imagination. I have a dog laying under the table. <laughs> like, that is all that can fit in this room. Yeah. And that's how small Yankee Stadium is. There were three homers hit last weekend that would have only been out in Yankee Stadium. Thankfully, they were playing in Yankee Stadium. Yeah. Uh, so, really, it's just, like... I'm not sitting here saying that this this is a fluke, but I'm this saying this team is good though. Aaron Judge can play center field in Yankee Stadium. Oh, absolutely. You put him in Miami, that's a problem. Aaron Hicks, you might. Well, I mean, that, the the problem is they don't have like some young athletic guy, super quick. Center like field. Aaron Hicks, really good center fielder, but he's also getting up there in age. Yeah. Right. And then then you have Gallo, not a center fielder. Yeah. Judge, he knows how to play it, but he's a big man. Yeah, so I don't. And you need like, his stick in the lineup. Of, a lot of ground to be made up. They're playing a lot of no doubles when they're in a big ballpark. No all I'm saying. Uh, and then let's go ahead and talk about your Braves. Woo! They've, twelve in a row, baby. They've won twelve in a row. Can twenty happen? I mean, can it? Yes. Is it going to be hard? Yes. I mean, look, and and I'll be the first to admit this. Are the the twelve in a row? It's not against quality competition. Okay, so we last. We salvaged the series against Arizona. Well, kind of, yeah, because you almost got swept. Yeah, we did. And then you pulled out. They haven't lost in June, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. This streak started yeah. June 1. They haven't lost. So they, we, we they won, won four in Colorado, which is really hard. We've never done that before. Mm-hmm. Then we came back home, beat Oakland, who might be the worst team in the game. Right. Swept Pittsburgh in a four-game set. I know it's Pittsburgh, it's but, Pittsburgh. but that's hard. to. I mean, four, I don't care who it is. Four-game set sweep, that's hard. It, But when it's against Pittsburgh... Yeah, it, I, it, look, make, I get it, it. it makes it a lot. Of, I understand your point. It makes and it then a lot. We, and then we won the first game against Washington, and we could easily sweep. Yeah, you could you could sweep. So if that happens, right? If you sweep them, you're at 14. Yeah. Then you have three against the Cubs in Chicago. That's gonna be hard. And all of them are afternoon games. Right. Which makes it even harder. Right. So and then we come home and, and we then face you go the home Giants against the Giants. I don't and, think and you get Dodgers. to twenty. Yeah, I don't think so either. I, I don't that's think okay. you can get to twenty. But Especially, you're at twelve. I could see at most eighteen. I think you could win the first one against San Francisco. Sure. I don't see you winning the first two against San Francisco. I know you're at home. 
but the Giants are really, really good. I don't know what the pitching matchups will be now. It's a little too far out to really like right. judge them out. But really, I mean, and it's going to be hard because, and we'll just move to the next piece of news. Ozzy Albies fractured his left foot last night against Washington. Right, and we don't know how long they don't have a timetable yet. It's guaranteed to be six weeks at least. Absolutely. So, and Orlando Arcia, who I think is a solid like backup, but he everyday guy. We, he's never done. I remember when he was a top prospect for Milwaukee. That did not transpire into what we thought he'd be. Right, but he, he has a little pop. Um, he, he's a little versatile defensively. Like he's came up as a shortstop, can play second. We've moonlighted him in the outfield before, so I mean, it's not the worst. Hit him ninth, we're cool, right? I mean, Michael Harris, the, our new center, like our brought him up from Double A, and he's playing center field. Yeah, he hit a tater last night. That, that dude looked can like it was off the end of the bat. I thought maybe the wind was blowing out at yeah, my, uh, Washington. Yeah, we had five national spark last night. Adam Duvall starting to heat up, which is really good news for it's this good. lineup. Marcel Zuna, he's. Uh, he's streaky okay right, that's like that's his thing he'll go him and Odubel Herrera both right he, so he's streaky but he's starting to clear those hips well and he's the power's there obviously we've talked about Swanson how good he's been Matt Olson's been up and down here right Austin Riley's been great and then Ronald Acuna that dude's red hot and he's and he's playing on an everyday basis in the outfield not DHing, which is really good news really good news for you and your defense I I think this is a bigger deal than what most people would be because I think Ozzy Albies is oh, very, yeah. very good, both with the bat and with the leather. Yeah. I, I don't think Arcia gives you any upside oh, no, either way. No, I no. think he's a downgrade in both areas. Absolutely. Do I think that this could mess up your lineup dynamic? Possibly. I don't think it's as bad, but I mean, if I if Albies is in the lineup, I think y'all have a better shot at getting to 20. Oh, absolutely. I don't know if I, I, I feel like you could sweep out the nationals and get to 14. I, the, the three in Chicago and then going home to San Francisco, there's no way you get to 20. I think the most you get to is 17. Yeah, it's going to be tough. And like, I know Albies. Okay. So he started off hot. Then he went through this, prolonged stretch of struggles and he's just starting to kind of heat back up over the last like handful of games Mm -hmm. so that's not good for the lineup but it's not like he's hitting one or two he's hitting like five or six yeah which i'm not saying isn't important but it's you know acuna swanson riley olsen like that's a pretty darn good starting four Mm -hmm. like one through four in your lineup so i'm not saying this is good by any means because he's a leader in the clubhouse he gives you great defense and we all know he's more than capable of like going bridge on you at any time. Right. Well, let's also look at the fact that the Braves, through this winning streak, have picked up five games on the Mets. Yeah. The Phillies, through their eleven or ten of eleven, have picked up four games on the Mets. Yeah. Uh, that's are are making... the Mets metting? <laughs> no, they're not. But, I know. I'm just. But at playing. the same time, like you, you got to keep playing because the Braves and the Phillies are actually finally finding what we thought they would be. Yeah. And I think the Phillies might go on a big run. This is the run that I thought they were going to go after when Bryce Harper hit that Homer in uh, Atlanta. I thought they were going to go on this type of run and then they went the opposite way. Yeah. And now they're turning around because they blew it. Yeah. <laughs> he, you hits, blew it. He, hit, he hits the Homer. I just walked in the door from work. I know I mentioned it on the podcast before I just walked into work. Bryce hits a two run Homer. I go, Oh crap. We lost. And then we come back in the bottom of the inning. I'm like, sweet. And uh, I'm like, take that, Philly. Yeah. But um, I thought I, I definitely thought that's that's the kind of game that can get you going. Yeah. And it just and didn't. It happen. didn't. But I think the firing ended up being that. Yeah. Sadly, sometimes that works when you fire your manager. Sometimes it 
puts a spark in the team, and uh, it's definitely working for Philly. Absolutely. Not so much for the Angels. Not so much for the Angels. All right, well, let's go ahead and wrap this up in a nice little bow. Let's talk about the players of the week. You already talked about one of them, Byron Buxton. Yeah. Goes 333 this past week with five taters, seven stakes, eight runs on his own. He's good. He's phenomenal, playing great for the Twins, and the Twins right now leading that division by three and a half over the Guardians. Um, it's still weird to say that uh, really the White is. Sox are starting to get a little hot. They're still without Tim Anderson. They're still in play there, but really the Royals and the Tigers not doing much as they're both double digits. And I only explained that to get further in games back <laughs> in that category. And then we go to the NL Hunter green for the Reds. You finally have some good thing for the yeah. Reds going. I mean, they're <laughs> four and six in their last 10, which yeah. you think, Oh, that's not that great, but really four and six for the Reds for them. It's that's solid. A, that's real good. Uh, Hunter green this past week had two starts, has an ERA of 0.75, a 0.42 whip, which is phenomenal. And then a 15 to two strikeout to walk ratio in his two starts. Phenomenal. He only gave up one run in, in his, I think it was, uh, 12 innings pitched yeah so yeah i mean really good all i know is for the reds let's try to give you a silver lining i know he's on the il right now jonathan india really good player Mm -hmm. yep and then hunter grease an ace yeah now i know you still have joey vado and i can't remember the the, how much he has left on his contract but he's going to be there probably his entire career not much yeah but yeah he's he might end out after this year and, for and sure. yeah so like i know you know things aren't looking up for the reds but you got a couple guys you can build around now you just need that front office to draft develop correctly mm-hmm. and especially not to vit- i mean look the brewers are a really good team but they don't blow you away with immense amount of talent they just put the right pieces together and yeah. they can pitch joey Votto has two years on his contract after this year He's got uh, 23 for 25 million and then Jeez. 24 for 20 million. Then he's an unrestricted free agent. I think there's also a buyout, a $7 million buyout for his 24 option. It's club. It's not, yeah, not total. So he also has a full no trade clause. So yeah, he's staying in Cincinnati. I think he plays this year, his next two, I think the Up club the gives him his 40th year, mainly because there's a DH now. Yeah. Uh, I think they give him his year 40 year and then he rides off in the sunset being having his entire career back to Canada. Yeah. So, you know, reds, that's, that's a tough contract to bear, but at the same time, there's no limit. So you don't really have to worry about it. Right. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap up MLB. When we return, we get into a little NFL news. We didn't mention just came hot off the presses after we recorded the intro some real interesting trade that could involve a couple of our friends teams. (laughs) And then of course the top 10 offensive lines right now, when we return. Welcome back. Getting into our last segment of the day, the NFL. Huge news just hit the presses. Uh, it's not official. Please, God, please do not state <laughs> yeah. that this is official. Yeah. But Carolina is close to acquiring Baker Mayfield from the Browns. The problem is there's a catch. Yeah. Parker hit us with a catch. So... Carolina, they're re- they really want Baker. Like they want him now, so he can get in a mini camp and get him, you know, be with the team. Obviously, mm-hmm. but the big sticking point is Baker's eighteen point nine million dollars salary for this coming year. So I don't know what what would the package be. Sam Darnold. I mean, they 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 have the same salary. Yeah, the the exact same salary. Like yeah. you can pull up spot tracks. They're both making eighteen point eight five eight million dollars this year. So the real sticking point is how much does uh, 
Cleveland pay of Baker's salary? Does Sam Darnold kick over? Yeah. How much of a you know, package is Carolina going to put on? And that's the other thing, too. I don't know what Carolina's uh, payroll situation looks like as would far they, as cap. Would they just do picks? Well, so they have to because Carolina doesn't have that much cap space. Right. Like They're actually currently in the negative in cap space. Or no, 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 they're not. They're not. Not as far as all. They're they've got twenty four million available to them as of right now. Mm-hmm. But they I don't think they've signed all of their uh, all of their draft picks. So I, I you, you would think that they don't have that much. Cleveland does have a little bit of room because they're not paying Watson this year. And I also think this is the other sticking point. Now is Deshaun Watson is. We're not sure he yeah. will play this year at all. Know. We have zero clue whether he's going to play this year. To be to be completely frank, so what what is the you know the upside? Because if you look at the depth chart behind Deshaun Watson, Jacoby Brissett, you have Jacoby Brissett and, and then Josh Dobbs. Yeah, they've put Baker as the fourth string player on ourlads.com, where we get most of our depth chart information. Yep. So just in case you ever want that, ourlads.com. Yeah. Uh, so really, yeah, it's Deshaun Watson, then Jacoby Brissett, and Josh Dobbs, the <laughs> former Tennessee Volunteer. Yep, and Pittsburgh Steeler. Yeah. So like, do you? Okay, I'll ask you the question. Could you go what if you're Cleveland, would you go into the season and be okay if it's Jacoby Brissett and Josh Dobbs? No. Yeah. No. And, and I mean the I love Jacoby Brissett, is, but we but he still I mean well, he hasn't Well maybe I am. Now I think about it. Like you're gonna lean on the running game huge. Right. Because your oh, offensive yeah. line, which we'll talk about, is good, yeah. if not elite. Right. You have a elite pair of running backs that are mm-hmm. probably top two in the league. Which we had them as the yeah, top, of right? The yeah. So like, I'm not sitting here s- stating that you can't win with Jacoby Brissett with that running game and that offensive line. The problem is you couldn't win with Baker Mayfield for that. So if you do right. win with Jacoby Brissett, why'd you bring in Deshaun Watson? You see what I'm saying? But I will say with Jacoby Brissett specifically, in Indianapolis when he did play, mm-hmm. we did rely heavily on the run game. So he knows he knows that shtick. Like right. they're, they're not asking them to drop back 40 times, rely on the run game, short passing game, and they they can do that in Cleveland. Right. So I think he could he could definitely work in Cleveland. Uh, I do work. I mean, I think Josh Jobs, like, okay, you can be in the NFL, but, I mean, what if Jacoby gets hurt or he's not, you know, he's not flourishing, right? right. And you want to go to your, oh, and it's Josh Jobs. Yeah. So maybe you want to get Sam Darnold in return, even though I know we know, I mean, I'm a Sam Darnold guy. I like him. Um, even though he had a bad year, but he is limited and is Cleveland the best spot for him? Well, let's talk about Carolina and their depth chart. Then you've got Sam Darnold, Matt Carroll, and then PJ Walker. So if you bring in a Baker Mayfield, yeah, you can't trade Darnold. Well, you could trade Darnold, but you can't cut Darnold because he's still dead cap. Right. So you're, you're losing out on that. It's guaranteed money to Darnold. You have Matt Corral. You have PJ Walker, who filled in yeah, he respectively did, he was last year. Really well. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't a world burner, you know. Right. But like the man, I think he still deserves a shot to be a backup somewhere. Considering you still have like John Warford is the backup <laughs> in LA. Yeah, you yeah. have you know Colt McCoy. In I mean, Arizona. Chase, Chase Daniels somewhere. David Blah in 
in Detroit. Who? Jordan Love in Green Bay. Oh, gosh. Bay. Almost anybody above Jordan Love. I mean, you know, there's some uh, – Tyrod. Well, Tyrod's better. Yeah. Cooper Rush in Dallas. There's Chase Daniel in, in L.A., the Chargers version. Yeah. <laughs> Jared Stidham in Vegas. You know, like there's some bad backups out there. Oh, so, but but Stidham's with McDaniel's, and when he was in New England with Stidham, like he he believes in him, he can be a good player. Yeah, that's the reason why they <laughs> traded for him. But yeah. the principle still applies. I agree. Joe Flacco, Joe Fluco, like get out of here. So yeah, I'm not gonna sit here and state that like PJ Walker doesn't deserve a chance, but he is the odd man out here, right? Uh, because you're not giving up on your third round pick, and no. you're you you can't unless you can unloan Darnold, which right now you can't because he's damaged goods. Yeah. And, and not for eighteen point nine. However, million. yeah, eighteen point nine million. Like you're not getting rid of him, so that's tough. I I don't I don't really see a lot of the upside for Carolina unless they can get Baker Mayfield with the Browns chewing up some of his salary, and yeah. then you're giving up like a second round pick for him because that's that's all you're getting out of him. I don't think there's anything on Carolina's team fully that the Browns want oh, for taking yeah. that salary on. I think they're just looking to dump Baker's salary. And Carolina ain't about it. So I don't know how close this is. They they say they're close, but it, there is that caveat, and you yeah. you got to figure it out. All I know is the Panthers they they've been hard after Baker. It's mm-hmm. not just like a oh today we're we're kind of interested. It's like it's serious. Yeah, so. they they've wanted it for a while, but I mean they I think they're in on the whole Darnold corral if they if they can't get the yeah. Browns to take the salary from Agreed. Baker. All right, well let's go ahead and get into our top ten series. We have. Already done quarterback. If you haven't seen that, you got a couple episodes back from that. Running back and wide out. So this is the fourth of our top ten series uh, where we give the top ten in position groups. This week is the total offensive line uh, for, you know, each of these teams in the NFL. Uh, We're going to give you a top ten. However, the teams that just missed in our book, uh, the Rams, the Jets, the Chargers, and the 49ers. Let's go ahead and give their big main flaw, starting with the 49ers. Parker, what was the big miss for the 49ers? Why they didn't make our top ten? Yeah, I mean, okay, so you have Trent Williams, which we all know how good he is. Uh, Was it? Glinchy? McGlinchy? Yeah, McClinchy. Mike McGlinchy. Yeah. That's kind of funny that I'm asking you how to pronounce that name. Yeah, right. right. Anywho, but like <laughs> after that, it's kind of like a, their interior offensive line is not great. Yep. So, you know, yes, tackles are important and it might be the most important thing of your offensive line, but you do, I mean, especially in today's NFL, you gotta, you gotta plug up that interior line, especially if you're facing the Rams. Yeah. And you've got Debo Samuel who you don't know what he is a running back wide out, whatever you want to call him Yeah, the hybrid thing. And he's trying to become a, a wide receiver only, which he should for his career. Yeah. So you, you got to find a runner that can run in between the tackles. And right now in between the tackles, isn't great for you. So that's the reason why the 49ers don't make our list. We go to the, uh, Jets. I like the Jets. I like the Jets a lot. They've like got a Tomlinson, lot of good pieces. Barrett Tucker. Mackay Becton. Yeah. George Fant, like, looked good last Connor year. Connor McGovern is your center. Like, they're, they're soft. Like, he, he ain't no Nick Mangle. Yeah. Yeah. You can make the case that they're in that top 10 if you want to go there, but we didn't have them there yet. But they have high-end potential, and they absolutely. could end up being a top 10 team at the end of the year. They could. Uh, but, you know, we try to go with a little bit more proven commodities, such as the Chargers and the Rams uh, that just missed. The main reason why the Rams don't make the top 10 is you, 
you lost Whitworth. Yeah, that's the big. I mean, that's the reason why you're you're where you're at. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. I mean, they're just missing the top ten. Right. And the Chargers, same deal. You're really not sure about Trey Pimpkins. Uh, you know, you just you don't know what you're getting out of him. And you know, he's probably taking over the right tackle spot. Is what a lot of people are saying. But you, there's a lot of options there, and there's a lot of fluidity within this line. So that's the reason why we don't take the top ten. Uh, if it were me, I'd put Pipkins at right tackle. You keep Matt Feeler at left guard, Corey oh, yeah. Lindsey, I agree. Zion Johnson, and then you still have Slater at left tackle, you know, the, the rookie from last year, the first-round pick, Rashawn Slater. So, I mean, really, this is a team with a lot of flux, so that's the reason why they don't make the top ten. Uh, if they had more of a solid base and we knew exactly where they were going to start and then see it, they could sneak in the top 10, but I think our top team, uh, top 10 is better. So yeah. Parker, let's go ahead and go into our top 10. The number 10 team for us is the Kansas city chiefs. Very much I so. think it's fair. I mean, I, the biggest sticking point for me is Niang at right tackle, right? I'm just, I'm not, I don't see it. Um, not that I'm like an expert on this, but I don't get Niang. At right, I don't even know if he's a starter. Right, and I mean it's either Lucas Niang or Andrew Wiley. I think the great, reason... in, great, great interior line, which is why they make this list. But well, the and outside. they have a, the, probably one of the best left tackles in the game in Orlando oh, Brown, yeah. and they stole him right <laughs> from Baltimore last year. Yeah, so you know you're not going to sit here and, and and get an argument from me uh, for them being higher. Like I, I could I could see it. I mean you've got one of the best tackles in the game. Uh, you've got a problem at right tackles. You don't know whether it's Andrew Wiley, but I think Niang beats him out because Wiley could play guard for them. Right. So I think they like him as a swing backup. So that's what leads Niang to be the starting right tackle. But at the same time, I mean, you've got a lot of really good pieces and you still have the second year of Creed Humphrey, who was phenomenal last year as their center and just kind of anchored that O-line. They did a lot of really, really good things. But because of the uncertainty at right tackle... And I mean, their guards are good with Joe Tooney and Trey Smith, but they're not world beaters. So that puts them at 10 here. They've got a really, really good line. I don't know if it's, um, you know, if it's that much better than 10 though. Yeah. Let's go to nine. I think it's your team, right? The Colts. Indianapolis Colts. I mean, look, you start with Quentin Nelson, best guard in the game. Don't at me. He is definitely top, top five. Followed by, I mean, Ryan Kelly at center, another Pro Bowl, and Braden Smith, who's great on the right side. But, you know, we have a question at left tackle and at right guard. We lost two starters. Glowinski was our right guard last year, and and now Matt Pryor's our left tackle. So we're still trying to figure that out. Ever since Cassandra retired, we're kind of trying to figure out who's our left tackle. I know Mm -hmm. at one point it was like, can Quentin Nelson be our left tackle? I'm like, I'm sure he could do it, but I want him at left guard. Yeah, you you want him there. I mean, right now you have... You have two ex-Eagles, one going to be starting at your left tackle and Matt Pryor, yeah. and then you have the backup, Dennis Kelly, who just, you can't kill him. He's like the roach. But he I just w- keeps staying in but the But I league. will say a guy to look out for at left tackle for the Colts is our, our third-round pick this year. Ber- is it, yeah, Bernard Raymond. He's from Austria. Mm-hmm. He went to, I, I believe, Central Michigan. Yep. Dude's a beast. Yeah. He's huge. He's 6'6", big man. and I think he needs some time to develop. That's the I reason agree. why you're starting with Matt Pryor. Yeah, but I agree. I wouldn't be shocked by like week 10 if Pryor's just getting owned on that left side right. that you don't throw him in. Absolutely. He's a third-round talent there. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go ahead and go to number eight, Cincinnati, the defending AFC champions. Uh, they're returning most of their offensive line, and they looked, you know, they look improved on paper compared to, uh, you know, years in the past where you have uh, – 
you know, Lowell Collins is your is your new guy here playing right tackle. The big mystery that they had, they didn't <laughs> really have a right tackle since Whitworth left right. uh, and went to L.A. Now they find one Lowell Collins. He's just got to play great. Uh, Jonah Williams, uh, are solid, solid. They were both high draft picks on rookie deals who can develop. Uh, you know, so Cincinnati's got some upside here, and they've got you know some really really good talent that's returning in Alex Kappa and Ted Karras. I feel like this could be a very improved offensive line and could even take them further compared to years past. Yeah, it's much improved. Jonah Williams and uh, Jackson Car- Carmen. Mm-hmm. They're they're both they can sure up that left side. They're young and if they continue to develop, they they have high upside. Absolutely, very high upside. Let's go ahead into number seven though. The New England Patriots for some odd reason they always find good line play. Yeah, and that's what they do. The Even real though question, I could not figure out why they drafted Cole Strange in the first round, but I'm sure they know more than me. Yeah, they've they've got it somewhere that Cole Strange is going to be phenomenal. He's the first round pick for them. I think it was a reach. They could have probably traded back. They have the highest floor of basically anybody in the top like five to ten. They could really get, they really be up there. I don't see a lot of upside, but they have a very phenomenal floor. Trent Brown at right tackle, uh, Isaiah Wynn at left tackle, David Andrews a solid center. Cole Strange, we don't know exactly what he's going to be, but you know, if you look at tape, he's solid. You're going from Shaq Mason to a rookie reach. Yeah. So I'm not. I'm look. I'm not. Cole Strange may be really good. I have no idea. But is he Shaq Mason? I don't know. I don't know. But I think they have a solid floor because they've got a great foundation. And for some odd reason, New England always has great offensive line play. No doubt. We go to number six for us, and it's the Green Bay Packers. You have David Bakhtiari. You have John Runyon. You have Josh Myers. You have Royce Newman. You have Jenkins at right tackle. I mean, there's really nothing that like barks at you that they're going to have a absolutely 100% stud offensive line. But you know that but their offensive they line is good. You know what you're getting. It's all about health. They're, yeah, correct. Especially Bakhtiari. Like, he's got to stay healthy for this offensive line to flourish, which I, I believe it can be. I, I never want to be like, oh, yeah, that guy's going to get hurt, so don't worry about it. But if he's healthy, which he has shown he can be in the past, you have Bakhtiari, who's as solid as it gets at left tackle. Mm-hmm. Runyon's very good. Myers, Newman, like... Uh, Aaron Rodgers are going to be protected. Yeah, and the only issue is, yeah, their health because you're relying on a uh, fourth-round pick this year and an undrafted free agent ni- in 2019 to back up your tackle spots. That could be a problem. But yeah. if your starters stay healthy in Bottieri and Jenkins, yeah. you'll be fine. That's there. like one of the best tackle duos in the game. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Definitely, definitely one of the top. We're going to talk about a better one in a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Let's go ahead to number five, and we're going to give the nod to the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Until someone unseats them, they're going to be a top five offensive line. I know they're getting up there in age with Smith, Smith, Martin, and Steele. Uh, They still have their their center, which is kind of their question mark. Right. But at the same time, I mean, when when you keep producing great offensive line play, you're going to keep getting great offensive lines, and you have – Tubble of the best guards to either side of him. So you're relying on a fourth round draft pick from two years ago in Tyler uh, Bidais, I think is how you pronounce his last name. Uh, B-I-A-D-A-S-Z. Uh, yeah, that's close enough. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a fourth round draft pick out of Wisconsin. You really can't go wrong with yeah, the Wisconsin. Yeah, if the guy played line. at Wisconsin, he's probably going to be good. Yeah, he's probably pretty good. Uh, however, I mean, he's the, he's the only like somewhat down 
side yeah. on that offensive line, but you still have Tyler Smith and Zach Martin, who's probably the best guard duo in the league. Dude, Zach Martin's a beast. He's, he, he is the only reason why I don't unequivocally give Quentin Nelson the best guard in the game. Yeah, I clear. mean that's fair. I'm I know I'm biased because I see Quentin Nelson play and he's just a monster. Right. But I I totally get Zach Martin. He's great. He's phenomenal. All right, let's go ahead and get into the top four teams. These are the absolute elite offensive lines in the game. Let's start at number four, Tampa Bay. Yeah, uh, you, you just can't go wrong. You, the only question mark you have is whether Wirfs comes back completely healthy from his injury last year. He got hurt in the wild card game in the NFC and he came back and played all right, but he still wasn't himself fully. Uh, but you still have Ryan Jensen at center. Shaq yeah. Mason now plays right guard here in Tampa Bay. Huge upgrade there. Absolutely. Donovan Smith at the left tackle spot is admirable. And you <laughs> still have Tom Brady. who's just going to sling the rock all over the place. These guys yeah. are going to be made to be road graders because Tom gets the ball out too quick for a pass rush to really get at him. Yeah, Jensen and Brady are boys. Yeah. That's probably a big reason why Brady was like, you know what? I'm, I'm done with this retirement thing. I'm coming back. Jensen's my boy. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Moving on to number three, we talk about the Cleveland Browns. They've got Wills Jr. at left tackle, uh, Bettino at left guard, Harris at center, Teller at right guard, Jack Conklin at right tackle. This line has done it last year they'll do it again as long as they stay healthy they're going to be phenomenal paving the way for nick chubb and kareem hunt yeah. out of that backfield and whoever ends up being the starter whether it's watson Brissett, baker if he doesn't get traded yeah. we know it's not going to be dobbs out the jump <laughs> so we can basically eliminate him yeah this offensive line is good enough to keep that run game going and they're great. We put them at number three. Here. I still can't believe Jack Conklin's a Brown. Yeah. Like, I don't know how Tennessee just let him walk. Yeah, well, I mean, but, you, you know. know you, I, I don't got to pay him. When you got the paper. Yeah. Uh, and Cleveland has had the paper recently. Absolutely. Uh, let's go ahead to number two in the Detroit Lions. A lot of people how about that? might think that this is not a good play. I'm sorry. When you three have first rounders. three first rounders, you have a very solid third rounder and a highly paid free agent on their offensive line yeah. in Halapulivati Vaitai. And Vaitai is actually. <laughs> Can you say that again? Yeah, Halapulivati Vaitai. Nice. And the fact that I'm able to say that is because I'm an Eagles fan. <laughs> uh, but everybody else calls him Big V. He's the lowest graded starter on this, and he is still ranked high, and he is the high priced free agent. They paid him to play tackle. But now he's playing guard in a better, more natural spot for him. But you still have Penny Sewell, the rookie. You have Decker, the rookie. Or the, you know, sorry, Penny Sewell was a rookie last year. Decker was two years, so he's a third year now. Jonah Jackson as well. And then Ragnall. I, this offensive line can do some really, really yeah. good things. And they're going to be opening the way for an actually underrated running back situation with DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams. Yes. I mean, this could be a very, very good running attack. And so you're making sure Jared Goff doesn't have to win yeah. the games. I was going to say, they definitely need a run game if Jared Goff's your quarterback. 100%. And so I think this is a, a solid, there's not many weaknesses on this offensive line considering they've invested a lot of high draft capital in it and they're just going to keep investing a lot of dra yep, uh, draft capital Built because the that's trenches. right and that's how you win as what has happened for this first team my squad <laughs> the philadelphia eagles the best offensive line in the game don't at me, and it's not me being homerish. There are multiple people that have this oh, Eagles I, team I don't as the best offensive line in the game. Let's talk about it. I mean, Jordan. you got Mylotta, Kelsey, 
Lane Johnson. And yeah. like on the interior with Dickerson and how do you pronounce that? Isaac Sayamalu. Sayamalu. Sayamalu is probably your worst spot, yeah, and, and yet he's, he's solid. Right. Uh, let's go ahead and look at the pro football grades on Sayamalu. He's the worst that you have, and his overall grade is 74-8. Like, you're not sitting yeah. here telling me that he's not any any way, shape, or form bad. He had three penalties all of last year. He's really, really good as far as you know what he does. He allowed no sacks last year in 168 snaps. Now, I know three penalties, so if you sit there and go, okay, well, maybe the yeah. penalties, one of them was a false start, so really only two holds. Yeah. So, you know, you sit here and say, well, you know, well, yeah. but, but he's the worst offensive lineman you got. The player that elevates them to number one is Mylotta. He did not play a snap in his first two seasons. Mm-hmm. And you're telling me, well, he's a seventh-round pick? Yeah. Correct. And so, and he goes from not playing to being the third highest graded player at the position in the NFL last season. Yeah, he he allowed. He's a beast. He allowed three sacks on nine hundred and fourteen wow. snaps last year. His yeah. overall grade eighty seven four. And you still have Jason Kelsey, who's as good as it gets at center. Mm-hmm. Oh, they had Dickerson rated worse than Sayamalu last year, but he also played more. Uh, Jason Kelsey allowed one sack in nine hundred ninety three snaps last year. I just need Lane Johnson to stay healthy. Yeah, that is that is the that is the key. Yeah, because I mean he he grades out at eighty two four. He yeah. allowed no sacks last year in eight hundred snaps. He's pretty good. He's you know he's really good. Not too shabby. So yeah, I mean yeah they have Dickerson as the worst rated at sixty seven three. I I just believe that was because he had a couple bad sacks early. Yeah. Uh, because teams were keying on him being a rookie, but he's just gonna grow. Oh yeah. So you know. I- I don't have any disagreements here. I know it's your squad, and it looks like you're being homerish, but there are a lot of outlets that have Philly as number one, which is correct. And I'm a Colts fan, and I'd love to say my team, but we, we have some transition going on, so we'll see what how it goes. But, yeah, Philly's definitely number one. Number one offensive line. And this is, you know, what has to happen. We were joking about this earlier. You've got uh, not a lot of first-round talent on, on this Eagles offensive line. We talked about... The left tackle is a seventh-round former rugby player. Yeah, You have Jason Kelsey, who was a sixth-round pick out of Cincinnati. Uh, you have Dickerson, who was a second-round pick. Okay, I'll give you that one. You have Lane Johnson, first-round pick. I'll give you that one. Right. Sayamalu was a third-round pick, I think, maybe, question mark. Let me look that up to make sure. But, yeah, I mean, he's not like he was a absolute world beater there. Yeah, third-round right. pick in 2016. I was yeah. pretty positive about that one. So it's not like you have a lot of high-priced talent, but the fact that Two of your better offensive linemen were a seventh and a sixth rounder. That's impressive. It's impressive. So what that tells me, Howie Roseman, don't be in the draft room <laughs> rounds a, one through three. Yeah, four through seven? Four th- day three, you're allowed back yeah, in the draft Day room. three, get over here. Get over here, because you'll find me diamonds in the rough. Yeah. Jalen Rager. Ugh. All right, Ugh. anyway. Justin Jefferson. <laughs> Look at this Eagles draft. Every time I do it, makes me laugh. I don't, right. I, I don't think you can ever pick Justin Jefferson for your fantasy team just for that. Oh, no, 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 no. I'll pick him for my fantasy team because then I'll just show Howie Roseman every time. I'll pick him for my fantasy you team. Show him that photograph? Literally, like, Twitter feed it to yeah. Howie Roseman and say, Look who I picked. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway. It's fine. It's fine. I'm okay. I'm not crying. Anyway, so that wraps up the top 10. Let's go ahead and re-hit. The Rams, Jets, Chargers, 49ers all just missed. The top 10 was Kansas City, Indianapolis, Cincinnati, New England, Green Bay, Dallas, Tampa Bay, Cleveland, Detroit, Philly. If you have any qualms, any thoughts, did we get it right? Did we get it wrong? If you say anybody other than Philly at number one and it's not Detroit, 
Okay, and you better be a Detroit Lions fan if you say it. You better give us a really good answer. Yeah, really Hit us good up at reason. the at the Sports GPS on Twitter, Instagram, Face, um, TikTok. TikTok. We don't really use it that much because yeah. we're not big TikTok. We're dancers. not TikTok guys. Not but, yet, but yeah, yeah that, maybe. Can, that can change. I got to lose a little bit of weight before I become a TikTok dancer. Heard Let's that. Just say that. <laughs> All right. Well, that's gonna wrap it up for this episode. Season 3, Episode 11, in the books for all of us here. Parker White. CJ Holly. thanks for stopping by. Oh, thank you.